Hi there, folks. My name is Emily. And I'm Elle. And we are Oh My Word, a podcast where we discuss books, movies, musicals, and TV shows, etc. in order to tell you about the content so that you can make more informed decisions about what you consume. To facilitate that, notice, notice the big words I'm using today. <laughs> to facilitate that, we have carefully, very carefully designed and constructed a pearl clutching scale the pearl clutching scale works in two ways. We have an actual scale that we've used to help us construct this scale as in like a gradation kind of scale. You see how one word can have multi-uses and we've actually, we fulfilled the multi-use of it. Ah, just, you know, one of the things we do. Anyway, so we have for violence, language, and romance on a scale of zero to four and also on our scale, which don't ask how the scale works. It's, it's science, okay? <laughs> zero to four, zero being no pearls clutched and four being all the pearls clutched. And every once in a while, we'll come across something that just blows up all the scales to smithereens. We have to start all over again building it, and it's very exhausting, but we refine the process each time. And we chose violence, language, and romance as the things that we would base our scales off of, because those are the three areas in which things can very quickly become not clean and not age-appropriate, and we're all about promoting clean content. And other things can fall into those different topics. For instance, it, under violence and language, you can also have emotional or physical abuse. So instead of having like a whole separate topic for abuse, we have that there. And romance includes literal romance, but it also includes sex and nudity. So these are just like our broad topics because that's usually what people look at, right? I mean, that's what ratings, if you're looking at ratings for things, is something G, PG, PG-13. Those are the things that they generally use, but those ratings change and they don't often tell you specifically the content. They'll just tell you this movie rated PG-13 for language and nudity, but it's not specific about what that language and nudity is. So we try to be a little bit more specific in our ratings. And then in these episodes, we go into detail. Also, because, you know, quality or how much you like a story that's all subjective. And, you know, we're not, right. we're not specifically here. It might happen every once in a while, but we're not specifically here to be bashing like creators or writers. It's not the point of this. Um, no. Whether or not we like something that's it's very, very subjective, but one thing that we can, that is more objective is to say, hey, there's this kind of violence in something, right? Now, you decide if that's appropriate for you or not, or something that you want to be seeing or not, or reading or not, but right. you can't say, oh, there was a lot of kissing in this. Yes, there was. <laughs> and we explain it, so that's why you got to tune in sometimes to hear how we explain things. You can see our handy guides of seeing how many pearls there were. When you, when you tune in and you can hear the explanation for all these things, like you're doing now. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to get into the topic of this episode, but first we have to do a tiny little celebration because it is our drum roll, please. 101st episode of Oh My Word. Hooray! That's the celebration. <laughs> Hooray! Well, it's very exciting, you know, because... People usually celebrate at 100, and we celebrated a little bit last week. We mentioned it. But what if we had gotten to 100 and then stopped? <gasps> Big deal. Yeah. But by doing 101, we are now saying we have succeeded, but we are going to keep on going, right? That's the important thing, that we're continuing to go. We're still working at this, still bringing you guys information, and we intend to continue doing that. Amen. Hooray! <laughs> Back Hooray. to the celebration. Yay! Yay! So thank you all for sticking 
with us for 101 episodes if you've been here the whole time or even if you came in late but you then listen to everything or even if you just jump around because you're wondering about a particular movie or book and you want to know our ratings on it. That's fine too. These don't have to be listened to in any particular order. But we are very excited about episode 101 and a segue. <laughs> Segways are not my thing. That's for else. Here's a segue. 101 is one more than 100. 100 is like perfect, right? Like, oh, 100%. But a little bit more than perfect is 101. Boom. Segway. And in the movie we're going to talk about, the main character is going to be, is striving to be a little bit more than perfect. In fact, he's striving to be great. Is that where you're going with that? Yes. Good job. Thank you. That was the assist by Elt and basket by Emily. Elio? So today we are are talking about Whiplash, a 2014 movie directed by Damien Chazelle. It stars J.K. Simmons, who I can never remember his name. And every time he comes on screen, I'm like, oh, that guy. I love that guy. And my husband says, and you never remember his name. And I can never remember his name. But J.K. Simmons, who's great, and uh, Miles Teller. And the story is about a promising young drummer who enrolls at a cutthroat music conservatory and where his dreams of greatness are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realize a student's potential. And our ratings for it, violence, we've given it a 2.5. Language of four. Oh boy, is language of four. Can language be like a 10? Because if language could be a 10, it'd be a 10. And romance is one. So just to delve into that, language, as I said, is a four. Not only is every word used and in copious amounts, but the J.K. Simmons character, who was the very exacting music instructor and band leader at this conservatory, he calls his students names and he's verbally abusive. So the language is not just bad language, but it's also abusive. He calls them all sorts of offensive things. It's abusive. So that's language. Romance, it's actually not graphic. The, what's the kid's name? Andrew, right? Yeah. Andrew, he's the kid trying to become this great jazz drummer. That's his dream. He goes out on a couple of dates. I don't even know if there's a kiss. There's nothing really graphic, but a lot of the um, derogatory words that the J.K. Simmons character uses are sexual in nature. So there's still sort of a sexual content to parts of the movie because of the words used. So romance isn't high, but there's a... I mean, this is not a young adult or family movie. This is rated R. So there's... It's not like some of this is unexpected. And then violence. There's a car crash. And the teacher throws things. Um, Andrew ends up with these bloody calluses. And of course, there's also emotional abuse. So it's not violent maybe in what we would typically think of as violent. There's not gunfights. There's not a war. There's not people beating each other up, but there's sort of an aura of violence because it's J.K. Simmons' character. So he's this persnicket. Persnickety is actually too nice. He's, he's manipulative and abusive. Yes. A manipulative and abusive perfectionist band leader. He pushes his students, but not in a healthy way. He's yelling at them and he makes them do humiliating things and he humiliates them in front of others it's never really clear like at one point in the movie he says you know oh I I do this because I'm trying to find the next great 
person, but then we realize that that might all have just been an act. So it's not totally clear why he's like this. Like, is he a frustrated musician? You know, like he never got to be where he wanted to be as great. So, and he's teaching, so he's upset. We don't really know, do we? No, I, I actually didn't have that kind of question on his character, though. It may says certain people in their, per, you know, you could say in their pursuit of greatness or because he's trying to push, like he will take no, like we will take no prisoners. You will either be as perfect as you have to be or you're out of here, which is obviously taking greatness to an extreme level and this pursuit of right. greatness to an extreme unhealthy level. I actually saw this, um, they were pushing this pretty hard. It got nominated for, for a bunch of Oscars, I think. J.K. Simmons won for Best Supporting Actor. Everyone was talking. I think it was right. so, I think, I don't remember what it was up against them, but I think everyone knew he was getting the, the Best Supporting Actor um, in this mm-hmm. film because, and it's funny, he got a lot of the attention, but there was something about the Miles Teller character that kind of was more, was more um, curious to me. It wasn't necessarily the acting itself, but the character of someone like, he preemptively breaks up with his girlfriend because like, I want to be one yeah. of the greats and I can't be one of the greats because if I'm in this relationship, I'm going to have to start spending more time on my music and then you're going to resent me Blah, 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 blah. So we should just break up. <laughs> and you're like, yes. well, you can see even the girlfriend is like, what? Like, how did you even arrive at that conclusion? That's why it's, it's the J.K. Simmons character getting a lot of attention because that's because of the, uh, the performance he turned in, turning, becoming this manipulative, like, don't worry, you'll be great in there. And then as soon as they get in there, he is like, rips you apart. Oh. And, uh, so that is, you know, that you have to have stellar, like stellar acting for this. But for the Miles Talker character, like, it's, Think about the character that this guy is preemptively breaking up with a girlfriend because, oh, I want to be one of the greats so I don't have time for human relationships. Yeah. Or you have like a lot of times like great inventors. I think like Nikola Tesla was ne- was never, not not married, but I don't, I don't know that he had any also personal relationships because he was always pursuing. Mm. I don't remember that, but I know that he was always pursuing the next invention, you know, so he didn't want these things to be holding him back from pursuing invention. So right. you got this, uh, the, that was very curious about the Miles Todd character. And then when this came out, so part of what they were doing to kind of promote it on the circuit was they do this often. It's not, you know, it just wasn't this. They do this for a bunch of things. Different companies will screen films and they'll have the director there to talk about the film afterwards. You do question and answer with the director. So I actually saw this with Damon Chazelle was there. And the best part, oh, well, there's a few good parts, but one thing he mentioned somewhere along the way about how, oh, I'm working on this musical or I have this idea for a musical. And he was talking about La La Land, which came out, you know, however much time after that. I don't know if this is his first film, but this is definitely a film that put Damien Chazelle into the spotlight. People, like, everyone knew him, you know, especially definitely in Hollywood, but as a director, this brought him to, this, this caught people's attention. You also have, um, oh, so here's some things that he said. Someone asked if, because especially when you have these music uh, films, you know, and Miles Teller being a drummer here, so how much of it, how much of the drumming is actually Miles Teller versus, you know, you have to, you'll notice that they'll close in on someone's hands. Well, that's because it's not the actor's hands anymore, you know? Right. So he actually said, I think that about 80% of the drumming is actually Miles Teller because he was in a band once or something like that, or he had some sort of musical background. So the basic yeah. drum, a lot of the basic drumming he was able to do. The assumption I'm making, and you could probably look this up, is that especially at the end, he does some crazy, crazy drumming. Where it's just like, oh, my word. <laughs> so that, my guess on that would be like, they probably put someone else there for that, for that level of drumming. You can tell because at the end, uh, when they close in on his hands, suddenly he ages like 30 years just in his hands. So clearly, 
Um, yeah, so, so there you so go. If you're paying attention, you, you can tell. Right. And he was talking about also because the ending scene, which, you know, it's been out since 2014. I think we could talk about what happens. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. Right. Yeah, the whole thing about it. He's in the conservatory, and then you know, he thinks everything's going to be so great, and then he turns, he finds out what a monster, you know, J.K. Simmons is going to be, is, and he somehow he sticks with whatever, and then eventually he breaks, and he gets out, and he tells on J.K. Simmons as being this, you know, terrible, terrible person, or whatever. And then he, they somehow bump into each other, right? Because he's trying to figure out what to do with himself now. He dedicated himself to music, right? He broke up all his relationships and all that sort of stuff. And now he's got nothing. And you see him, like, trying. He wants to get with the girlfriend again. And she's like, yeah, I moved on from you, honey. Like, you know, and he doesn't know what to do with himself without music. His whole life was about becoming the next great drummer or the best among, you know, he wants to be one of the best. Right. So suddenly he bumps into the J.K. Simmons guy. And they go to a fan. They're talking. And he seems, like, so nice then. So then you see also the manipulative part of him. At one point, it's like, oh, I'm, I have this uh, summer gig going on. You know, do you want to join my summer band thing? You know, I mean, they have like, music in the parks. It wasn't, it's not that, but like, you know, one of those sort of things. Oh, sure, I'll be a drummer. Basically, at a certain point, he's like, you think I didn't know it was you? Because he gets him up on stage and totally embarrasses him in the wrong music. And he totally embarrasses him in front of everybody. Right? It's something like that happens where he thinks, yeah. oh, he's supposed to be playing one set of music. And he ends up, and all of a sudden, the band starts on another set of music. And he didn't prepare that. Miles Hall did not prepare to play the drums for that. Yeah. And he's trying to catch up and he's trying to be with it. And it's like, and it's like, basically, Jacob Simmons is pushing him and he's like, well, you think I didn't know you're the one who got me fired from the conservatory? I knew it was you. That moment. It's crazy. Was one of the, it was so, it was so well done. And I did not see it coming at all. Like in terms of, you know, watching a movie and being surprised and really in, being in the moment. Like, I haven't felt that in a movie in such a long time. I, mean, I think it takes a rare movie, but that really, I was so invested. And then there were several different twists. And, I, and this is a really good movie. Yeah. Well, it so, really got me. Well, so that's part of the thing with the language is that it gets, it's a little difficult sometimes to recommend a film like this, which what it, what it's looking at is so, it's so important about this drive for greatness, you know, what people should sacrifice and how unhealthy can this get? Is it worth being so unhealthy to become one of the greats who will be memorialized forever? And what he has to go through. Like, you're, you know, sometimes great athletes are like, oh, my coach was a monster to me, but it's because he was a monster to me that I achieved, the, that got the gold medal now. You know, so is that really worth it? So for some people, it's not, and they don't go through with it. And for some people, it is. And is that a healthy thing? And should we encourage that? We don't know. So... But because of language and everything, it gets a little bit hard to, to recommend sometimes to people. But yeah, also, I, I didn't know, like, when I, oh, cool, I get to hear from the director. Like, that was, like, the entire thought process. And then once you're sitting there, you're like, oh, my God, what is this language? Like, what is going on here? But so you have that moment yeah. and you think, okay, Malatov's going to quit. And he basically just comes back on. And he's like, that's And he just starts drumming. And all the other musicians are like, what's going on? He's like, just whatever. Like, join in. You know, I'll bring you in. Whatever. And so you have the J.K. Simmons character turns around. He realizes he's supposed to be conducting. And they are on a new soundtrack now. You know, and he's giving like an FU. And all of a sudden, he's like watching it. And all of a sudden, he like gets into it. And he starts conducting, right? Again, there's spoilers. But this film has been out for a long time. Your ending scene is not even... Sure, there's a big applause, whatever, but your ending scene is the moment between the Miles Tyler character and the J.K. Simmons character, and all you get from J.K. Simmons is that nod of, like, good job. And, like, that's it. Nothing said, well, he hates the word good job, right? He hates the phrase. Right. There's nothing more damaging than good job. But he, like, nods at it, and that's it. You have no idea what happens next. I mean, you could assume that, like, maybe they have some sort of symbiotic, parasitic relationship after that. Right. You don't even know. We don't know. Right. We just know that, in a way, he almost passed this test that he didn't know was a test for him. Yes. 
And he just like, by sticking it to him, and then in that moment of trying to stick it, that rage, he like achieves some sort of greatness or something. But so David Chazelle, someone asked about it. David Chazelle was like saying, he's like, I don't know what it is. Because he's also a jazz musician, David Chazelle. That's why when oh, this came out, yeah, when this came out, and then when La La Land came out, everyone's like, what did jazz do to Damon Chazelle? That it's always a jazz musician that gets screwed. Like, I don't remember what, I don't know what instrument he plays or something like that, but he, he was trained. Uh, um, he's, he's trained in this. So he was, okay. um, he was saying, I don't know what it is in, in the human mind that you're striving so much to get the approval of someone who's done this to you. Right. That's, which is actually part of the definition, well, not part of the definition, but that's part of what so many abusive relationships are about is right. You're trying to earn favor from someone who's being abusive. And you th- you're asking right. like if you if you're if you see someone else in that we, you you can't understand you're like that person is not treating you well what are you doing but there's some there's something there that's captivated that person that they're like no 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 because the moment of approval from that abusive person for some reason have become worth it to them right so that's right. what now obviously that's why you have interventions and you get people help because being in an abusive relationship is not good. But in this particular regard, you, he was saying, like, yeah, I don't know what it is about that, that, like, why should Miles, the Miles Tell character, need the J.K. Simmons approval? Like, why would he want his right. approval from, well, because he's considered one of the great, whatever. Like, yes, but this guy, is a, he's a monster. <laughs> like, but yeah. he's like, I don't know. So that's why, also, there's so much just being explored in this film. And you can see it's kind of a low-budget film. It's not, you know, a massive mm-hmm. Hollywood studio. The one thing that really got to me, though, was the car crash scene. I was like, is this really necessary? Like, is this, isn't this a little bit much? Mm. Like, he just totally smashed up a car and just starts running. Like, really? Like, I understand that you're trying to, whatever, but it, it didn't, it didn't feel like it, it was needed for the film. That was the one, that was the only scene from all the scenes that I was kind of like, ah, like too far. <laughs> not the other, not the throwing the symbols or the smashing the chairs. <laughs> yeah. It, like, underneath all of that, or maybe not underneath all of it, but it, it is a, um, like it really explores personalities and characters and relationships. And it, it's a very thought provoking movie, which maybe you don't think you are going to get necessarily these days, but maybe because it's not a big blockbuster type thing. It, it had the time to, you're right. The, the sets are not huge. It mostly takes place in the same locations. There's not a huge cast of characters, but it really goes deep and explores all of those scenes that you already talked about. It's very compelling. I, I don't know that I ever fully appreciated why people would be into indie films because a lot of indie mm-hmm. films... Now, there are some indie films that have very large budgets. Um, the Enigma Game. Is that what it's called? With Benedict Cumberbatch? With the... Uh, uh, the Enigma Code? I know what it's you're talking about. It's the Enigma Machine. World War II Enigma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Turing. I can't remember the name. Uh... I think it's called the Enigma Game. Whatever it is, um, that's considered an indie film. But they also had a budget of like ninety million or oh, something crazy like that. Because it wasn't specifically huh. a studio film, right? Which is so it's either studio or indie. But that doesn't say anything to what the budget is. So a lot right. of indie films are, are a lot of times they're, they're personal project or passion projects or things like that, and they often, not always, they often end up being really weird. Like that's where you get like the lot of the weird <laughs> stuff, especially if it's yeah. very very low budget and they're really just doing it as a passion project, and you're like. This came out of your head. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be friends with you right now. But this film, that's why... But I guess, you know, there's also big studio films that are like, really, you put money into that? Like, why would you, you know, why would you spend yes. money on that, you know? So I guess I guess you could kind of have it both ways. But that's why... No, so that's why also with Whiplash, like, you see it's an indie film, 
And you're like, okay. And then you see it and you're like, that was really, that was like an interesting story that you told. Like, this is, this has a lot of stuff worth talking about or that should be spoken about kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I heard that the movie was actually first shown at film festivals and was much shorter. It was yes. J.K. Simmons and his son, right? Played the, J.K. Simmons played the same character, but his actual son, I think, played the drummer and then. Uh, something, yeah, something was, like that, yeah. Something like that. And then it was, I guess, popular enough or maybe Damien Chazelle then signed on. I don't know exactly what the whole thing was, how it then became a feature length film, which is interesting. You know what? Obviously, that, I mean, I guess it must have been popular enough in its smallness that they wanted to then explore those characters. But more. Yeah. Well, part of the whole film festival thing is that you're hoping to get funding for a project. Right. That's where all the people go. It's kind of like a, uh, a fair. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, it's like a film fair. Like, oh, let's see what you've got on display. Let me see. It's almost like, it's like Shark Tank, but like in a fair style, like in a festival <laughs> yeah, style, that's right? True. So, yeah. People come with their presentation, whatever, and either they hope they're going to get distribution for it, or if it's like, hey, I have this idea and I put it together on a very small budget, are you, you're coming, you're willing to put money into something, will you put money into my thing? Like, see what I've got here. So, right. That could, that's probably, that would be what would have happened that he would have come with his small film that he made and whoever saw it was like, Hey, there's something here. Let's budget it. Let's get you, you know, we'll get you some, a, a known actor or known actors, you know, right. Et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, can we specifically promote it language wise? It's a tough sell, but if you're an adult and you feel like you can handle that kind of language and that kind of abuse really is a good movie. Yeah, I wonder, I actually wonder if they would make a film like that today. Hmm. Not a studio. Definitely not a studio. But just because everyone's so careful with language, I'd say, like, at abuse. Unless they would do it as, like, oh, yeah. what do you got? Oh, like, the study of abusive relationships and blah, blah, blah. I wonder. Maybe that's why it had to be made in 2014, you know? Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? But it's out. It's out and it's out there for those who are interested. And you can watch it. And then you can tune in to us next week. For episode number 102. What's it going to be? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Thanks so much for being here for 101 episodes. We look forward to the next 101. Hooray! And- <laughs> Mini celebration! <laughs> Hooray! Yay! So thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers, peoples! Oh My Word podcast is brought to you by the Pearl Clutching Basement Dwellers at Oh My Word. Follow us on Instagram for updates at Oh My Word Podcast. Or like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For full episode notes and details, visit eltenabam.com. Music is by Tim Berg. See you next time.